Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. Welcome to a very special episode of Writer on the Road. Today we're off to the Big Apple, to the beautiful New York, and I have the most amazing woman with me. She's sitting here, she's beautiful, she's smiling, and she's prepared to put up with us here at Writer on the Road as we fumble our way through yet another podcast. Okay, I'd like to welcome today Kim Argetsinger. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. What a beautiful intro. I'm so happy to be here and I can't wait to dig in. Yeah, it's six o'clock in the morning here, guys, and Kim is glowing and I'm going, oh, I'm such a hag. But never mind, we are going to battle on regardless. Kim is, is a success coach. She's an entrepreneur, she's a writer, and she's a creative entrepreneur. The word entrepreneur is in there a lot. Um, but what Kim does best is she takes the rest of us along on the ride with her. And that's what I'm excited about today because we're all got our writing business, we're all indie publishers, but to be able to step up and get to the next level, Kim, that's what we want to know. We want to know everything. I'm an open book, so feel free to throw those questions at me. And I'm just going to say, because I have a view here, there, you are glowing. You look beautiful. I can't believe it's six o'clock in the morning for you. So I'm just going to, I'm going to set the record straight before we, before we dive into the podcast. Well, I'm like, I'm liking this podcast, guys. We'll, we'll just continue. We'll just um, keep telling each other how wonderful we are. But in the meantime, we are writing our books. We are promoting our businesses. Now, I noticed that you, you know a little bit about about branding and and what's important about that from a personal perspective? Sure. I think so. Branding is a big topic and I wouldn't say it's my main zone of genius, but it is definitely something I touch on with my work. And I think for all of us as creatives, so my background is in acting before I got into the world of coaching. I have a degree in psychology and I was an actress for a decade. And I think from both of those, what I found from branding is that yes, branding is our colors. Yes, branding is logo. Yes, branding is all of those design elements. But underneath all of that, and I think this is where it's important for us as creatives, is it's really about us. It's about our message. It's about how we want to strategically connect with others and how we want to make them feel, how we want to bridge that gap between us and that other person. It's almost like reaching our hand out and saying, this is how I want to connect with you. This is who I am. And I think there's a tendency... This is something I find for myself with a lot of clients. We want to hide behind our brand. So we think it's the website or we think it's this shiny thing we can put up there where I really find that for a brand to be effective, especially in the creative world, it's more about pulling that mask off. It's less about that shininess. It's more about digging into who it is we are and really finding a way to express that through all those different modalities. And that can be our messaging, our words, down to those visuals. Yeah. That's how I see branding. Yeah, and it's really uh, interesting. I've just got off a podcast with uh, Kevin Tumlinson of Draft to Digital, and he's, he's a novelist as well. And we were talking about how our communities are uh, more important now than ever because of all the changes with Facebook and Instagram and all those kind of things. Being able to directly reach our community is really important and they want to know us as a person. They want us to be real. Are you finding that being able to directly communicate and be part of our communities is, is what our readers and what our, what our um, clients want? 
A thousand and ten percent, yes. I just got back from the digital marketing conference in San Diego. It's one of the biggest conferences every year. And the message I kept hearing from room after room, and mind you, this is all digital, this is all tech, was all about that human connection and community and specifically about how can we create those conversations with one another. Of course, I'm hearing it through a different lens because of the work I do, but what I really heard from that is how can we connect more? How can we start conversations with people? How can we build that community? Because exactly to what you're saying, it's getting more and more crowded and louder and louder, which is not a bad thing. That means there's a need we all have. This is how we're all finding ways to connect in our modern world. We are all going to our tablets, to our phones, to our laptops as a way to connect with others. And connection just from a a neurological standpoint, that's something we need as humans to survive. We're wired to want this connection we don't have it, we can actually slip into depression. So this is all something we're wired to have. But because of the way our world is going online, we're turning to these online communities. So I think for all of us, yes, from, from a branding standpoint, from a business standpoint, it's, I think it's beautiful because connection is one of my values, but I think it's, it's what business really is about, finding those communities and then finding a way to show up and start those conversations with one another. Yeah, and it's amazing too, Kim, I don't know if you'll find, well, I'm, I'm assuming you're finding it, is that we make some of our best friends through, uh, like you and I talking, I would never get to talk to to a beautiful actress uh, from New York. I wouldn't get to talk to you and pick your brain and learn about your success strategies. So the digital world actually has some amazing benefits and then to be able to to interact, I guess, in private groups is just an added bonus, isn't it? I, yes, I I. I've been part of a couple of masterminds that I've met online and I, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, which is so amazing. And I've had, I had not too long ago, one of my, I call her my business bestie, one of my dearest friends from Germany spent the night at my apartment. We would have never connected. We would have never been a part of one another's lives. I talk to her every week now. She's stayed at my house. I'll go see her in Germany. And it's just made, I think, our world smaller in a really beautiful way and allowed us to maybe if we're in those smaller niches where we think no one gets what I'm doing, we can go online and find those communities where there's a whole world of people who are just like us, who can really understand what we're going through. Yeah. And you you work specifically with uh, solopreneurs and creative entrepreneurs. Uh, once upon a time, these people and all of us included, I guess, is we would be reasonably lonely and have to make a huge effort to go out there and network. Now we can bring it to us. Uh, I'm guessing I'm guessing that's where your specialty lies when it comes to coaching, is allowing people like us to really explore our opportunities. Yeah, I, I think it's really, I find for a lot of us as creatives, as solopreneurs, I work with coaches as well. It's interesting. I find creatives, while we want to express ourselves in a creative way, a lot of us tend to be sort of that introverted extrovert type. So I think the online market's a beautiful, beautiful thing for all of us because we don't have to go to a networking party and have weird cocktails and try to introduce ourselves to someone. I, through my work, I blend mindset and business coaching. So I'm I'm a geek for how the brain works and I'm really big on how our mindset affects our success. It's about 95 to 99% of all of our conscious action gets its start in our subconscious. So I really like to lay the groundwork there. But with that, I like to marry that with the action and strategy piece because otherwise we're just daydreaming. So I like to dig into the business strategy, but specifically to online marketing. 
Yeah, and we're going to talk about action in a moment because I think that's really, really important and I think it's the crux of our, our chat today. But the very first thing I want to talk to you about, and it's something that I, I'm not struggling with, it, but I, I adore it, but working from home comes with its own set of problems, doesn't it? Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> it's, it's amazing for anyone who's not doing it yet. I love it, love it, love it, but it has its own set of challenges. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm guessing... I know you've put a blog post up recently about this and you talk about seven seven strategies to, to be able to work from home and stay sane. Uh, one of the first things you said was get up and have a shower and I thought, and I thought that was really rude. <laughs> I like being a slob. Um, but it actually, it actually has some psychological benefit, doesn't it? it? It really does. I think I'm very big on a morning ritual and how we start our day. The our brain is actually, our brain waves are in a different state when we first wake up in the morning. So everything from the first thoughts we have to how we take care of ourselves, this is going to set up our day and our success for the rest of the day. I'm not judging anyone. If you want to stay in your sweatpants all day long, by all means, um, this is up to everyone. But I have found personally and for my clients, there's a tendency, get excited when we first get to work from home and there can be a tendency to kind of just dig right into the electronics, right into work and look up and the whole day has passed us by and we're still in those dirty sweats that we woke up in. And if we can take the time in the morning to really set ourselves up for success by, yes, having a shower and you can put on clean yoga pants. That's what I recommend, but taking some time to take care of ourselves, the way we treat ourselves, the way we you know, we're the CEO of our own business, that's going to then translate into the work we have. It's also from a mindset perspective, going to put us into a different set of um, just mentality to sit down and then create our day versus letting the day just attack us. And it's a big difference when we're reacting, reacting, reacting to our day versus very intentionally creating our day and creating those goals we want to reach and take action on. Does that clarify that a bit? Yeah, and it's talking about that holistic approach, everyone, where we, we look at what we have for breakfast and we don't have Coke and chocolate for breakfast and we we eat well, we exercise well, we take care of our relationships with our families uh, and then we and then we set out those work parameters and take it very, very seriously because at, at home it's actually easy not to take ourselves so seriously and then the doubts and the fears come in. Do you find that you have to work a lot with um, your creatives on doubts and fears? Absolutely. And just to piggyback on what you were saying, just real quick, just as the holistic part, I think that just speaks to energy as a, as a whole. And that's our physical, our mental, our spiritual energy. And I think for our work, for us to be successful, that's such a crucial, that's that underlying foundation for everything. And as far as the fears, oh my gosh, yes. Um, with my clients, with myself, well, I'll be completely transparent. I mean, I love this work because I need this work myself. I work with a coach myself and I am obsessed with it because it is what has helped me so much. And the fears, I think for creatives, I think for coaches, entrepreneurs, but I really think as humans, we are, again, this is something we're wired to have. We're wired to have fear. It's how we've evolved to live in present day. It's how, as a species, we've evolved. If we didn't have this, we would have been killed off quite a long time ago. So just in our modern day world, we don't have the same things that act as a present danger. We don't have tigers that are coming after us. And so our mind is constantly seeking out things that could be a threat. So when we're creative or when we're an entrepreneur, what our mind is looking for is 
how am I going to get rejected? How, how is this going to hurt me? How, how am I going to get kicked out of the tribe? And these are then, this is all happening on a subconscious level. Our mind creates these fears that were then will very much hold all of us back. So yes, I absolutely see this with both my clients and myself. Yeah. And usually the most successful people, they're the ones that have the, the I guess, the high-priced coaches. I think I've got a friend, uh, Paul Brody, and he pays, I think, something like $20,000 for for his coach because the more successful you become, the more um, imperative it is that you have someone to help you see clarity and see a way forward. Uh, now, I notice you have um, quoted a, a favourite book of mine at the moment by um, Brendan Burkard, The High Performance Habit. Uh, now, he talks about some of these issues in his book, doesn't he? He does. It's, it's, that's such a fabulous book. If anyone hasn't read it yet, I highly recommend it. His work is brilliant. He's a high performance coach. So a lot of what he speaks to speaks to the things that I believe in my employee and my work. So it's such a great book. <laughs> yeah. And everybody, I'll reference that one in the, um, in the show notes. I've, I've just moved into a city chick house, uh, Kim, and I've got boxes of books everywhere and I tried to hunt the thing out and I couldn't find it, but it's full of yellow sticky notes. Everybody. I read it all the time. Uh, high performance habits, are, uh, but I, I've got to admit that I tend to crash and burn about lunchtime and go and have a bit of a siesta, but that might be just the, um, the creative in me. It feels great. <laughs> I think that probably is maybe the creative, but I will say, you know, all of us, we have, I think it's about 45 to 60 minutes at a time that we optimally, our brain will work optimally. So if at about lunchtime you're crashing out, that's actually a normal thing, especially if you're not building in those breaks. I coach my clients to set themselves up and time increments where, and I do the same thing. I set a timer on my clock for 45 to 60 minutes. I work for that amount of time. I think, I think Brendan Bouchard talks about this in his book as well. And then I take, I call them a brain break. I give myself a break and I'm purposely not allowed to work, whether it's a five minute or 20 minute increment. And then I go back down and and sit to my task, sit down and finish my task. So if you're needing that siesta in the middle of the day, I think that's perfectly normal thing. And your subconscious will continue to work on whatever open loops you have. So if you've left a project unfinished, it will, it'll percolate for you while you're, while you're taking that nap. Yeah. And that's something we have to consider everyone as writers. Uh, I always find um, exactly as you said, Kim, you go away, you have a rest and you wake up and you get back to your desk and the problems that you've been having uh, are automatically resolved or you have an idea that takes you off in a new direction that's why everybody as you write you should have a pen and paper beside you to jot these things down never ever lose them uh, now you talk about mindset you talk about uh, successful people sharing similar habits what are some of those habits and how do we get them Oh, so many habits. And I'm just going to comment on what you said. I call that productive procrastination. So exactly what you're saying. I think that's a very productive way for all of us to let our mind come up with those ideas. As far as success habits go, one of the habits I find that successful entrepreneurs have is that morning ritual that I was talking about. I think we hear about these morning routines a lot. And I think think when we hear things a lot, we tend to think that they're silly or they're cliche, but I find the more and more I talk with successful people, coach them or read about them, having that morning routine that sets our day up with intention is something that I just see across the board. 
speaking about that, just intention and having that time where you are strategically sitting down and creating goals. And goals, I think, are, again, another one of those things so many of us have heard about, but not everyone is doing. And I personally, very big on those yearly goals, those monthly goals, those weekly goals, those daily goals. And I can't stress enough how important that is and how few people actually, I don't know what the actual stat is, but I think I'd say it's 4% of people actually follow through on their goals, but don't, don't quote me on that one. Um, but that is something I find with, with successful people. They are very intentional with what they're doing with their time. And then with that, again, it's knowing that our time is one of our most valuable resources being very intentional with that, not only with our goals, but what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. I find a success habit is really embracing. This is something I have had to work on myself, having those boundaries within our business and within our work and really embracing the word no. And that means also saying no to opportunities that sound amazing. I just had to do this recently. I had to say no to something that I want to do so badly and it's such a wonderful opportunity. But saying yes to that would very much take away time and energy to a project I'm working on. And we can't do everything at the same time. So that's another habit that I see is paramount and very common with successful people and it's a success habit. I could just keep rattling these off. So I'll let you interject for a moment before I just keep going going down the road with these. And I'm taking notes, everybody. So hopefully I'll get them in the show notes and hopefully there'll be a few blog posts out about it. But I do I do think one of the problems that we have uh especially as creatives, is so many projects come our way and they all look really attractive. Uh, and even I find myself sitting here jumping from one to the other but not finishing any of them. And there's a lot of talk about deep work nowadays where you actually sit down and do not do anything else but the one thing. Are you finding that that's a really good strategy? Yes, <laughs> a thousand percent. Yes, I think for everything we want, whether it's knowing our niche and knowing our work and becoming experts and going deep into a topic or finishing one project and going deep with that, even with our offerings, less is more. So yes, absolutely. I'm finding not only is this true, I think it's essential. Our brain can only focus on so many, so many things at a time. I think there are a couple factors that come into play. We Creatives, we tend to be wired with a bit of shiny object syndrome. That's what makes us creatives. We have so many ideas and that's a brilliant, wonderful thing. And it's, a you know, with everything, we have the light and the dark side. So the great part of that is there's a million ideas and there's all these things we can do. And the flip side of that is there's a million ideas and there's all these things we can do. And they start to pull attention away from one another. I think the other thing that can play into this, sometimes I find that my clients, myself included, we will use new ideas as a way to self-sabotage ourselves because it doesn't feel bad when we're working on something else because we're doing. But what we're really doing is we're not allowing ourselves to finish and put something out into the world that could then be rejected or judged or fail. Or some of us have that fear of success that can also happen. So I find sometimes this can be just a result of us finding a way to pull back, but that makes us feel really good because we're diving into something else. So it feels 
feels like we're doing a whole lot, but we're not actually finishing anything. Does that make sense? Yeah. And everyone, this is why I've got Kim aboard because she's actually just described me. I've always considered myself an ideas person and I've always thought that if I had an admin or a secretary or a VA nowadays, they would do all the stuff that I hate and I could just keep on creating ideas. So I always justified that it's not my fault that I don't finish anything because I haven't got anyone to help me. But the reality is I don't finish anything and I haven't got anything out there. And that's a real problem for creatives and artists who are relying on the final product as as I guess a selling point. So as as you coach your clients, you I guess you have some strategies in place to help those of us who um, don't finish anything and really don't want to put anything out there anymore because everyone's going to say, well, you've been doing this for years and now you've put out a bunch of crap. What what do we do? First, I applaud you for having the awareness around that because so many people wouldn't. So thank you for sharing that. It's a bit of a deep topic, but I, for one thing with clients, I've spent a lot of time digging into values and values that are personal values, but also values for our work and what it is we actually are trying to achieve. And by values, I mean, not just good or bad, but the things that light us up, the things that are generating those feelings we all want to feel because that's what motivates all of us. When we're clear on that, I find it's a lot easier to know when we're looking at this plethora of ideas what to focus on because we can filter those ideas through our values and it makes it a lot easier to narrow in and hone in on what's actually going to fulfill us. So that's one thing I will coach my clients on so that because most ideas aren't created equal. And I'll use myself as an example. When I look to projects in my business, I mean, I have like 15 notebooks. I mean, the notebooks under my desk are ridiculous. I have, I think it's like 987 notes in my phone right now of ideas. There's no way in hell I could do all of those. When I have an idea, I go to my core business values and I look along with who I'm trying to serve and what's important to me. And I filter it through that. And it really helps me to weed out a lot of ideas that are great ideas, but not necessarily for me at this stage in my business and in my life. And then from the other point that you're speaking to, which I think is really more about the fears we all have and the visibility part of it, I think the first part for all of us is that awareness piece and just being aware of the fact that we have fear and identifying it and just as you might in meditation, label an emotion, label it for what it is and just know that it's normal it's human. That doesn't make you wrong. That doesn't make you bad. That doesn't make you lazy. It's a very normal human quality that we all have. You wouldn't be human if you didn't have that feeling. I think what a lot of us do that we're naturally, so we are all wired naturally to want to avoid anything that feels painful or uncomfortable, which includes fear. So that means if we're feeling anything icky about sharing that work because, oh my gosh, it's been so long since I started this and what are people going to think? And someone might laugh at me or someone might reject me or, oh my gosh, they're just going to think I'm such a fraud. All of the things, our natural tendency is to avoid that, which means not point it out. So if we can know that, instead of trying to say, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, let me beat up on myself because all that makes us do is want to avoid it even more simply, and this sounds overly simple, but simply being aware that this is what's happening. And from that space, labeling it for what it is, okay, this is some fear. And from here, taking some awareness around, okay, why do I have this fear? How is this fear serving me? 
what is this fear intended to do? And so for myself, I'll use myself as an example. I'll check in, say I'm really scared to put something out there and I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I'll check in with myself. Why am I having this fear response? It's because I'm really scared I'm going to get rejected. It's because I'm really worried about what people are saying. I'm because I'm really worried that no one is going to respond and I'm going to look like a jerk. And when I can see that for what it is, again, I don't have to try to fix it. I don't have to try to change it. I can just see where that emotion is coming from. And then I can say, is this serving me? Is, are these thoughts serving me? And I'm really big on not necessarily trying to change or scold ourselves, but just tapping into, is this serving me? And what might serve me better? Going back to those values we were talking about, what are my values? What are those things that are so important to me? Does this emotion, does this fear serve those values? And in this case, okay, so my, one of my values is connection. One of my values is being of service. Me not putting my work out into the world, it does not serve those values. So how could I serve those values instead? And from there, I can choose very consciously instead of from that primitive part of my brain that's just react, 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 a very conscious choice and action. And that's a way to move through it. It doesn't mean it's going to be less uncomfortable. I think that's something for all of us to know. Fear, as you move forward in life, as you go up the level of the ladder of so-called success, fear isn't something we just get rid of. It's not like something we put a Band-Aid on and fix. It's something that's always going to be hanging out with us. It's really more about learning how to walk with it and to just say, okay, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you fear. Cool. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Thank you for your input, but this is what's going to serve me best. And I think that's a distinction that's important because I think a lot of us think I'm doing it wrong because I still have this fear thing. It's a very long answer from my part. So I hope that resonated. (laughs) And I think you put somewhere in there that make sure you wear deodorant. Oh, yes, yes. Make sure you wear deodorant. I, I did a talk not too long ago and fear crept up for me and I was sweating. I was sweating like a crazy person. So was my, my joke to make sure you wear deodorant because it's it fear's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the value of having an accountability buddy is critical, I should imagine. Absolutely. I think accountability is one of the best things all of us can have. And when I say accountability, I really mean true accountability for me as a coach with accountability. It's not just tell me your goals and I'm going to check mark you yes or no. But for me, what as a coach, what I find true account- accountability to be is yes, you share with me, you share those goals and that creates some accountability for you. But also if you're not following through with those goals, my role as a coach is to really dig into, all right, so what's going on here? What are your excuses? And let's dig underneath those excuses because most of the time those excuses are BS and there's a reason underneath it as to why we're not following through. And so I find accountability in that sense can do wonders to unlock what's really holding us back as well as act as motivation to help us follow through. Yeah. And there's a lot of us out there, everyone, if you're listening uh, and you haven't finished that book, we spend a lot of time starting our novels. We spend a lot of time writing our novels, but there's a much bigger percentage of us out there that actually never ever finish our novels and that and that's where accountability comes in as well you you need a coach you need someone to to push you that final step of the way and I've got people who are out the other side and I had someone on the podcast recently and they said 
oh, those kind of people are never going to make it anyway. But I, I strongly disagree with a little bit of support. I think I think they will make it. They just need that. They just need someone to care enough. Oh, I I think we are all so much more capable than we give ourselves credit for. I think every single one of us, I am, I feel like I'm going to cry saying this, um, but I am such a, I, I might cry, but I believe this so strongly. I think the dreams we all have are, they're not random. We have those dreams for a reason. If you have a book inside of you, that is not a mistake. If you have a novel inside of you, if you have an article inside of you, if you have a podcast inside of you, it's not a mistake. That is, there is a reason for it. There is a reason you have that dream versus someone else's dream. And it is up to you to, yes, to take the action or to find the support to bring that to life. But there's a reason you have that. And that means you have something to share with the world. There are people who need need to hear your words, whether it's in the form of fiction or nonfiction. And gosh, I think the arts, that is just one of the ways we find ways to connect with our emotions and to heal and to live. And I just so, so strongly believe, yes, for anyone who's listening, if you're not finished, I don't believe, no offense to whoever shared that, but I really do believe everyone's so much more capable than, than they think. And there's no reason, why not you? There's no reason you can't finish your novel or your piece. Yeah, and especially if, if you surround yourself with the right people. Uh, we talk about grit and consistency and positive habits. They're some of your specialties, I think. Yes, grit is my favorite word, which is funny, but grit is just, so grit for anyone who's listening is not dirt. It's not being edgy. It is a term in psychology, which means the persistence and passion for a long-term goal. And it's both of those pieces. So it's the passion towards a long-term goal that's coupled with that persistence persistence and perseverance. And I'm just such a big believer that that is one of the keys to success. I think the overnight success, seven steps to making a million dollars formulas are they're such BS. I spent 10 years as an actress in LA. I, I have friends who are very successful in movies and TV shows that seem like they just popped up overnight. And most of them have been kicking around for 10 or 20 years, honing their craft and showing up and having a whole lot of grit and persistence and perseverance. And I think it's so such an important trait and quality for us as whether it's you're an artist or an entrepreneur, which I think there's a blend of both of that on either side to cultivate. And with that, I'm big on a growth mindset, which I think is part of grit, which is the idea that our talents and our IQ, they are not what we're born with. They're not stagnant, that we are all able to improve upon both our IQ and our talents versus a fixed mindset, which believes whatever I'm born with, that's basically as good as I'm going to get. And a fixed mindset can really hold us back and self-sabotage us versus a growth mindset. It's been shown that I think kids with growth mindset will do exponentially better at school, for example. We'll, we will actually have better relationships if we have that mindset. Because again, just even in a relationship standpoint, we see that there are qualities we can learn and improve upon. I think these are both such, 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 such important qualities. And I think with so many things, we hear grit and growth and we think, yeah, 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 that's what I believe. We don't realize the number of places we have a fixed mindset. So when we have something like, I'm trying to think of a good example, social media, I'll never figure out how to make social media work for me. That's just, that's only for the people who have a hundred thousand followers. That's a fixed mindset. That is a mindset that says, I can't figure that out. That's only for someone else versus a growth mindset 
it's a silly example, but I think most of us can relate to it versus a growth mindset that says, okay, this is where I'm at right now. These are my skills with this specific strategy right now. This is something I can learn. This is something I can grow in. This is something I can get better in. And that will serve us so much better. And I forget the other part of your question. Was it about positivity? (laughs) (laughs) But I want to keep going on that chain of thought because things change so very, very much and so very, very quickly in the indie publishing world. Uh, And we're constantly learning and we're constantly uh, honing our craft and self-education and trying to get on top of Facebook ads and algorithms and all those kind of things. I notice you have a few tips and tricks for Facebook Live, which apparently we're all supposed to be doing now. Some people are very frightened of that. Um, But to me, it's a way of reaching out and just having that conversation and if you muck it up people really don't care and half the time they're not even listening which is worse um so some tips for facebook live yes i hear everyone who doesn't want to do facebook lives i will say that i resisted doing video ironically even though i was an actress for a decade i resisted doing video for so long in my business and this is not just me this is again the conference i just went to and just what's happening with our world video is Video is getting more preference in the algorithm. I'm not an algorithm expert by any means, but it's definitely getting preference. But more so just from a very human space, when we do video and when we do live video, it's a really beautiful way for all of us to connect. And from a business and branding standpoint, part of that is that whole no like trust factor. We want to connect with, we want to buy things from, we want to read people's works that we feel like we know, that we connect with, that we like, that we trust. And when we do a live video, it allows us to connect and build that no like trust factor so much faster than if we write a blog post or if we put a post up on social media because all of a sudden you see a real live human and that is where I will just tell you the perfectionism part. None of us are perfect, so drop that right now because what connects us is all of those beautiful imperfections. It is all of those quirks we have. Yes, we want to be professional. Yes, we want to know what we're going to talk about, but showing up as ourselves, again, just bringing it full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning, that's what connects us to one another. When you make a new friend, when you met your partner who you fell in love with, my guess is you didn't fall in love with them or make that new best friend because of their perfect shiny profile picture somewhere. It's because you met them and you connected with them on a deep level because of who they were as a person, which most likely included all of their very human imperfections. And that's exactly the same thing with our businesses and doing live videos. So that's just the first thing I will just share from from that standpoint. And know that everyone's terrified the first time they do them. I still freak out doing them, but I love what they allow me to do in terms of connection. And as far as a tip, I think a really easy tip for everyone, if you're going to do lives, first, find a safe space to do your first live. You don't have to do it on your page. If you're in a small group, I know in my community, I allow people to to share a live for the first time. Find a group or a space where it's a safe space to share for the first time, or if you have a small private Facebook group of your own, go live for the first time somewhere safe. You don't have to jump off the deep end the first time you do this. Do it in a space that's safe. I'm a everyone is different. I really believe in having an outline or mapping out what you'd like to share first. I don't believe in scripts. I think that can make us a little wooden, but having an outline of what you're going to share, knowing those bullet points you want to hit. And I, what I do is I actually put them on my computer screen. I type them out so that they're there just so 
if my mind goes blank or if I'm like, what the heck did I want to talk about? They're right there. That's not cheating. You're allowed to do that. And you can even, when you make your live video and that little intro paragraph, you can type those bullets, let everyone know what you're going to talk about. And then you've got your cheat sheet right there. So that's a really easy just way to make it easier for everyone. Yeah. And it's something I've never done, everybody. I just sort of hit go and see what happens. And it look, it's fun. You have that conversation and you think, what am I talking about now? And your mind does go blank. Guaranteed, everyone, your mind will go blank. But as long as you've got a clear message and as long as you're there for a reason, not just to get a Facebook algorithm, uh, as long as you're trying to share something that you think people want to hear, generally you'll hit your target, won't you? I, I really think so. I, and I, I'll say as a final thought there, remember who you're speaking to. So I think that can help all of our lives go better. So from a business standpoint, it's the whole ideal client, but just from a human element, who are you talking to? I think that will help. You know, we're talking, it's bizarre when you talk to a blank screen. So just remember who it is you're talking to. And if nothing else, think about your intro and your exit. So if you know what you want to say to start with and you know how you want to close, those two pieces can really help with the confidence and just help, you know, we lose people so quickly. It's like 30 seconds people are off of there. So if you know what you want to say when you start and when you close, it'll just make those transitions a lot smoother and you'll feel a lot more confident when you're on your live. Yeah. So everyone have a go, have, just get out and have a go. You know, it's my motto, have a go, you'll muck it up and then try again. It's really good fun. Uh, and it is good fun. I, I love it. And I get people, you know, um, text me all the time and say, oh, Mel, about time you did another one of those. Because people want to see you, people want to meet you and people want to know what you're up to. Um, I've just moved into the city here of Brisbane, Kim, and it's not like New York, um, but it is a big city for, for us um, who are, you know, used to the outback. And I feel like standing on one of the bridges and doing a Facebook Live and saying, hey, guys, this is what it's like in the big city because people want to know. People want to see what you're doing and, and how you're living. And I think that's a really exciting part of it. And then they can go on and read your books and then they can be more intimate with you. Uh, now, coaching. I want to have a talk about this one very, very briefly because I've probably used up enough of your time now. I better let you go. Uh, why is there such a growth in the coaching industry? Because is it because we're finding that we genuinely benefit from having someone who understands us? Or do you think coaching has always been there, but it's just coming out of the closet? That's a great question. First, I'm just going to say, do that live. I think people would love it. <laughs> as, far as, as far as coaching wise, you know, I think coaching, it's a newer industry. So I think part of it is it's just because coming more mainstream and people are starting to understand what it is. I think there's still a bit of a stigma and some misunderstanding around what coaching is because it's, it's an unregulated industry. So I, for example, I studied coaching, but there are plenty of people who haven't. You can just throw up a shingle and say you're a coach. So I think it's, I think people are now starting to understand more of what it is and what to look for in a coach versus however long ago, I think there was maybe some misunderstanding or just a lot of people who are like, I'm a coach, not to knock anyone who's doing that. Cause I'm sure there's plenty of people who are wonderful who offer that. Um, I think there's a little bit of a difference. I think we also are seeing the benefits. I, I cannot, it has changed my life in every way, shape and form having my own coach and going through this process. I think having the space to verbally process things and having someone to guide you to help you see your blind spots, to help you work through those blocks, to help you start 
planning for the future and to live your life from a place where we're creating our future versus living our life by default, which is what we do when we don't have that space or that way to intentionally set up our lives is invaluable, valuable, and able. And I feel, and I think mainstream people are starting to see just what those benefits are and how that can change their life dramatically. Yeah. And when you're looking for a coach, everybody, if you want the nitty gritty on say how to write a nonfiction book, I think there's a lot of craft stuff out there. I think when you hire a coach, what you're looking for is is that accountability partner, is that success coach, is that person who can take you to the next level. It's not that basic stuff, even though your coach is there for those things as well. I think you actually need to look for more from your coach. I think you need their energy. And sometimes I think you're borrowing their energy when, when the doubts and fears come in, aren't you? I definitely borrowed from mine. So yes, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think, I think there's a, so I wear both a coach and a mentor hat. When I'm teaching online, I'm more in my mentor role. When I'm on a call and I'm a coach, as a coach, we are, and just to, just to speak to what you're saying, I think it's a bit of a distinction. I think there's a ton of people who are excellent mentors and consultants and who can give you those tools, whether it's for writing or how to get published. I think when you're looking for a coach, usually what a coach is going to do is have you, they're going to co-create with you. So I ask a lot of questions and I'll absolutely give feedback and I'll absolutely help with strategy. But I also ask a lot of questions to help my client come up with the answers from themselves for themselves, because I believe no one knows you better than you know yourself. And most of us have the answers inside of us. It's having someone pull those out. And then yes, there's some strategy and you know some tools to help guide and push all of that. But I think when you're looking for a coach, in my very humble opinion, I would look for someone who's going to co-create with you and pull that out of you versus just give you a laundry list of, of tasks to do. Yeah. And I think, I think everyone, that's, that's what teachers do naturally. That's what we do with our kids naturally. We encourage them to be the best we can be. And that's what I think coaching is all about. Uh, and being that accountability partner uh, and pointing you in the direction, I think, of, of those um, nuts and bolts things, which are there for all of us to access. Now, Kim, where can we find you? Because I know you've got some wonderful coaching products out there. My website is my name, so it's kimargetsinger.com, so you can find me there. I have a Facebook community called Business Besties and Creative Bosses, aptly named, and it's a free community, so you can find me there as well. And then I'm on all the social medias. It's my name, Kim Singer. I'm probably on Instagram and, and Facebook the most, and I would love to hear from anyone who's listening always happy to be a resource for anyone. Yeah. And Kim has some masterclasses and some coaching uh, products that you can have a look at as well. And I think it's really important at some stage that every one of us look around uh, to, to, I think, find that nurture that we all need and deserve. And it's, I'm really glad that it's becoming more and more popular because I think it's something that means a lot to me. And I think um, I'd love to pass that on to everybody. So thank you, Kim. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'd certainly love to, to see you again some stage back on the podcast. And in the meantime, I'm going out to check out, what is it, Besties and? Business Besties and Creative Bosses. And that's completely free. And I have quite a few resources as well over on my website. So love for anyone to take advantage of those those free resources. Business besties. I love it, everybody. I think we should all go and check it out today. Okay, that's it from Rider on the Road and we'll see you again next week. 